0: I'm Daniel. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I'm Robert, and my pronouns
1: are he and his. And And this this is Grizzly Kiki. Kiki.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers
1: chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as a meet and greet with James Charles. Warby Parker's prescription
0: glasses start at $95 and they offer great customer service. I should know.
1: And they do sunglasses too.
0: Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl.
1: Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. Who doesn't love that?
0: (laughs) Choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free.
1: That way you can try on all the frames and pick your favorite.
0: And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. We don't need people seeing things blurry.
1: And Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm now considering a divorce. Hey, to get
0: started, head over to WarbyParkerTrial.com/slash Kiki. Wait wait, 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 wait,
1: Warby Porker? thats oh, a very different website. I was projecting. Very different.
0: I mean, I project in all directions.
1: Give them, give them that yeah. link one more time. So oh,
0: sorry. To get started, head over to WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Again, that's
1: WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Warby Parker, modern eyewear made simple. Don't Google Warby Parker. You'll regret it. Every week I forget that we do our intro that way. Whoops. No. You think I... You'd think this wasn't our 400th episode. Oh my God. Oh my God. It is our 400th episode. Yay. Yeah. Balloon drop. Woo. I'm doing my window confetti. washer. You're doing your window washer.
0: Yeah. I do this little dance in between us <laughs> doing the intro and the, uh, well, between us doing the intro and while like the theme song's playing, I'm like, what?
1: Anyway. It doesn't happen live? What? Whoa. wow. Well, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me? i'm pretending like it all (coughs) happens anyway hi hi hello how do you do love you disney that's goodbye i think i can't remember what's up how are you
0: i'm good um i had i had like one of those weeks where by friday i was like i need to make it through this one day without incident or i'm Mm. going to
1: lose my mind you did have (coughs) you did have a week that would make anyone else think that um, that someone had like a voodoo doll of them or something, yeah,
0: I felt like it was like that episode of um of <laughs> or that you were like, of golden girls something. where they had the the housekeeper who gave them the the pebble, oh and God. they were convinced that it was like it had like cursed them or something right um, yeah, I hurt my knee <clears throat> by kneeling on a pattern I think I mentioned that on we the talked laptop, about that but, yeah. last week, yeah. so that was about two or three days of wearing a knee brace then. What else happened? I guess not much else. Well, no, there were a few other things that happened. Oh, somebody pushed me up the stairs one day because I guess I wasn't going fast enough and, you know, it wasn't wide enough. So, like, I was unsteady because of my knee and they just shoved me out of the way and I just went
1: Oh, right. Because you were... Okay, so your knee was healing. Yeah. And it seemed like you had... You know, like you maybe had like one more day of like limping mm-hmm. a little bit, and then that happened. Yeah, it was like
0: Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, I think. yeah. Um, no, it was, it was Tuesday. Yeah, right. Um, literally the day after we recorded. Exactly. Last week. Yeah. So that, and then to cap off my week on Thursday morning, I'm getting on the seven train and look down to mind the gap, and all of a sudden I can't see, and all I saw were my glasses, like falling away from me through the gap onto the train tracks
1: Mm. yeah fun um it was it was awful
0: it was like 45 minutes of hell
1: i have to tell you when you texted me about that i was just like what what i think i responded i was like you need a smudging yeah like you you were in desperate need of a smudging Mm -hmm.
0: there were a number of other things that happened that week but that was the thing yeah it was yeah Like, literally had never happened, but it was the first, one of the only times I forgot to put nerd wax on my glasses, um, which is this, like, little chapstick-looking tube of wax that you put on the bridge of your glasses or wherever it might slip, Mm -hmm. but it was really hot, and I was sweaty, um, yeah, so after freaking out for, like, two or three minutes, I managed to, like, make my way down to the, like, the booth, Mm -hmm. um, And the guy called and like 35 minutes later, some people showed up and um, gave me my glasses back.
1: I cannot believe you got your glasses back because when I got that text from you, I was like, well, you just got them. Hope you enjoyed them. Well, you know,
0: the the thing was when they when they dropped, I just looked up and everybody who was looking back at me as the doors were closing were just like, oh, my God, your glasses. And I'm like, yes, I know. Mm -hmm. I can't see. And so I waited for the train to pull away. And I was just like. If I can see them, then, I don't know, maybe there's something that I can do, right? So, because it takes me a minute to acclimate without my glasses, I couldn't really see anything. So, I just tapped somebody who was next to me. I was like, hey, (laughs) can you look and see? My glasses fell, and they're like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, okay, that's probably the wrong approach. Um, But after, like, two more tries, I finally found somebody who just, like, looked, and they were like, oh, yeah, those red ones. And I was like, okay, so they're there. And then I was able to, like, distinguish them Um, but yeah, the MTA was very helpful. Um, I thought I was going to be waiting like two hours and, um, yeah, they were there within like 35 minutes. Right. But I really, I really did think about just like leaving and like somehow making it home to like pick up my, uh, my spare pair. But, but I was like, no, I just got these.
1: (laughs) I've never worn, I've never worn corrective lenses. Um, but I would have just left them. Like I, I wouldn't have even thought. That there was a way to retrieve them, even though they have signs everywhere that are like, if you, if so, if something of yours falls onto the tracks, don't get it yourself. Call one of the people and they'll do it for you. But I just assumed it being New York City and everybody, you know, having no time for anything that they would, you know, dismiss it completely. Um, but I'm glad that it worked out. Yeah. I mean, and, I'm wearing them now. Yeah, you're wearing them now, and they're not the 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 lenses aren't scratched. Like. I know,
0: like they just landed because they the 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 guy who handed them back to me was like, hey, they were like face down. Do they have both lenses? Because he just like grabbed them really quickly, and I was like, yeah, but they weren't scratched or like anything. I mean, I'm surprised that you know. <clears throat> that they were fine
1: it just it's funny because the whole reason you got these gla- these new glasses was because you scratched the lenses mm-hmm. on your old ones while like installing a very delicate art piece yeah and so it's funny that your glasses fall onto the train tracks and they're able to not only retrieve them but they're like they're pristine fine. yeah
0: <laughs> well and you know at least 10 trains have like passed by so i was just right. like if they're there, if they haven't like moved because of the vibration or like, you know, had something shatter them, like, you know, whatever, at least give it a shot. But um
1: Yeah, Warby Parker. Um <laughs> they're good. That that commercial you hear at the beginning of every episode is inspired by true events. Mm-hmm. So there yeah, you
0: go. There you go. <laughs> just um there is hope if you drop something in the train tracks. <sighs> Try wow. not to. Mm-hmm. Um but ever since then I, I like when I was getting on the train the next day I literally just Held. Glasses. <laughs> held my glasses to my face, yeah.
1: um, which probably made me look really weird, but I don't want to lose them again. So Meh. <clears throat> We're in a city where, you know, I feel like most people look strange mm-hmm. uh, in a way or, or one yeah. way or the other. Um, I did not have nearly as eventful <laughs> of a week as, as you did. Um, just, just you know, work and uh, coming home. No mishaps. No mishaps for Lucky me. Lucky you. Home. Yeah. Um, but we did watch Wig... Uh, the The documentary about uh, it's it's funny because all of the all of the footage is surrounding Wigstock, mm-hmm. but they only they basically cover the history of Wigstock, and then the last like twenty third yeah. yeah, of the movie is mm-hmm. like a concert movie yeah. of the most recent Wigstock mm-hmm. that that took place.
0: Well, I have to say it was really interesting because. Um, I mean, it had been like two years, right, since they'd done something because we 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 went on like the last Wigstock cruise. So I think it was like two hundred and sixteen. Two hundred and sixteen. Jesus Christ. Two thousand sixteen or so. <laughs> um, maybe seven. No, yeah, I think it was like two thousand sixteen because they definitely skipped a year, and then two thousand eighteen they had the
1: like. Um, there was footage thing, from yeah. there was footage from the Wigstock from the year two hundred sixteen in the documentary. I think. Mm. So if you, that's the, like the black and white footage. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I thought it was, it was incredible documentary. Um, I think it's a great, um, kind of, not sequel, but addition to the, you know, to the, to the, um, the documentary from, from the 90s. Yeah. yeah. um, and this, in many ways, I think because, like like you pointed out, Robert, when we were watching it, uh, we were watching the the, the first Stuck documentary, mm-hmm. is that documentaries have changed so much since then. Yeah. So, like, whereas the, the one from the 90s was very much, um, you know, like talking heads and clips of, of current, you know, performances from maybe the past two or three years... Um, the, the more recent documentary, Wig, had so much archival footage. They talked about the very founding of, of Wigstock. Um, and, you know, it was, it was very never, interesting. It
1: was one of the things that I learned that I, I, I had heard this before, but it was never made clear that this was how the festival began. The fact that they were done, like, they meaning, like, Lady Bunny, RuPaul, like, all of the the big, like legendary drag queens mm-hmm. of today they were done performing and hanging out at the pyramid and decided to walk over to the band shell in uh i almost said prospect park what am i talking about in um what is the name of that Tom- park Tompkins square park, park. Yeah. um so they walk over to the band shell in Tompkins square park and perform for a bunch of homeless people that were like not happy about the the additional noise cuz they're like they're trying to sleep and that that was how wigstock began it made me it made me think that like i i just i have been underestimating the the like the punk rock nature of drag and specifically you know who lady bunny is who ruPaul is like mm-hmm. it just it it changed my perception of them of drag of everything i just i i don't know like that is just that takes nerve like to not to you Mm -hmm. know not to quote junior Labesia, but that takes fucking nerve like
0: i mean the fact that it then turned into this festival that went on for almost 20 years yeah right like the last official one was 2001 wasn't it like uh yeah. Oh, was it, it was it two thousand, and it was right before nine eleven because Bunny even said in the documentary that after
1: nine eleven, she just felt like I think it was two thousand five because they said they were going to do one more, and then it rained that year, and they were like, "Okay, one more." So I think it was well, technically two thousand five oh, okay. when because at a certain point after two thousand after two thousand one they uh, they were added to the Howl Festival. I think yes, they so were it,
0: they they were like a. They were part Like an evening. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is it was, it was, sorry, 2001 was the last, like, annual one because it had been annual since 1986. Right. Um Because Bunny said that um, it didn't feel celebratory anymore and that, like, things had changed. It was very interesting
1: to yeah. hear that perspective. Um, it's an amazing documentary. I also really love how they created a, um, oh, what is the word? They created, a like, parallel? a link, a parallel between... Uh, the drag that was happening in the 80s mm-hmm. and the drag that is happening today in Brooklyn via Lady Bunny and Charlene. Now that... Like, oh, my God. In case, like, in so case
0: those of you who have seen it didn't know this, and those of you who are going to watch it, because you should watch it, don't know, is that this is actually Charlene's documentary. Yes. It is It is The Life and Times of Charlene Incarnate. Yes. Um, uh, th- The fact that they just drew parallels between... you were saying between lady bunny and charlene kind of just blew my mind because i wasn't expecting it yeah like i knew she was in it but not not to this extent and also you know having had her on the podcast a number of times and and following her over the years like
1: forget about that having like known her well yeah having known her as like a
0: like a person and as a friend and just seeing all of Charlene right there on the TV for everybody to learn about her was such a like an emotional moment for me to see that yeah. on screen. Um I yeah.
1: again uh, totally not mm-hmm. underestimated but like took it not uh, took Charlene for granted and like seeing just like how h- how much of like a community mm-hmm. person that she is. It it just I don't know I just I think she. I thought Charlene was amazing before. I think yes. the world of her still, and I think like, I just love that they did that. I really do, mm-hmm. and I. It was so unexpected. I, I think that was yeah. also the yeah. the like the gag is that
0: it's but like it makes sense. Well, of course, and yeah. also just also having Lady Bunny talk about drag in brooklyn and in bushwick like she is she knows what's going on Mm -hmm. and i think that that's that's even more important and came through very clearly yeah you know that she understands that unlike some other famous drag queens that drag is does not exist in a bubble right you know and she really um it's like of the people both Charlene and Lady Bunny. I'm
1: I'm so happy at how amazing that documentary turned out because when I when I found out that they were filming a documentary, my immediate thought was, oh, this is going to be another like bloated profile of the Drag Race girls. Another mm-hmm. opportunity for the Drag Race girls to have some more yeah. screen time, which is great. Mm-hmm. But to give them to give them the spotlight and to make it seem like they are influencing anyone is a it's a mistake it's not Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily untrue but it's a mistake yeah and so the fact that they followed charlene the way they did i think is so important because it's true it's totally the parallels are real Mm -hmm. between bunny and charlene and it just i'm i'm just i'm proud to have known uh, to to have known her oh my god to know her (laughs) and yes never no 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 knock on wood but um But like we need more Charlene's. Oh, you know, there was a moment there was a moment in the documentary when we were watching it and I was like, why are we following this person? Go back to Charlene. What are mm -hmm. you doing? Why are we following this person? And it was like the TV heard me immediately went back to her. I also like that they
0: did not center Neil Patrick Harris as much as I was afraid they were going to Mm. because, you know, he basically, you know, was the face of, I guess, like the money raising part. Of getting the festival going and gave money and all that like he you know he was like the producer of the whole thing right and and he's also the producer of i think him or david burka were one of the producers of the documentary and so i was really afraid that it was going to become the neil patrick harris show and there was like a what a four minute not even thing where they interviewed him and david burka and yeah you know willem was there with them it was very very short it was very brief Um,
1: but that was the moment I was yeah. talking about.
0: I, I love though how his daughters um, adore Lady Bunny, and his kids. They have a son and a daughter. Oh well, the one well. The see now I lost my train of thought.
1: The, the, the little, daughter, the,
0: the the little girl was like the one who was like talking about Lady Bunny while they were being interviewed. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, you know, Lady Bunny would be like, shit, at the dinner table, mm-hmm. and she's
1: like, oh shit, I said that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and now the little girl loves Lady Bunny because yeah. she says shit. Yeah, and will repeat Lady Bunnyisms <laughs> around the house, and I just thought, yeah, like yay, yeah, it was very cute.
1: Yeah, I I wish that we could have Bunny be like child uh, children's programming for everyone because like i would have loved to have grown Mm -hmm. up with lady bunny as my entertainment yeah um yeah i um the the one thing the one big thing i took issue with is the fact that uh and i get it they used they used neil patrick harris for clout fine but John Cameron Mitchell is still very much alive and agile and able to sing and all that other stuff. So why wouldn't you bring him in? I mean, he's in the archive footage for um, for this documentary. Why would you not bring him in to perform as wig as a uh, Hedwig?
0: He wasn't producing.
1: Right. It's just disappointing. I mean, I didn't think it was
0: bad. I I thought Neil Patrick Harris was really good as Hedwig. Actually, but... Neil
1: Patrick Harris is amazing as Hedwig. Yeah. It's two different performances. The point is, the originator is still is still with us yes. and still very much. I mean, we saw John Cameron Mitchell twice mm-hmm. in Hedwig on Broadway. Yep. he can still do it. He's still mm-hmm. got it. So yeah. let's uh, you know, well maybe it just didn't make sense to me. All. Maybe he will be at something else in the next few weeks. Don't get my don't get my hopes up. um let's take a break and then when we come back we're going to talk about tales of the city and fair warning if you have not seen the show we are going to spoil it so you've been warned stick around we'll be right back oh hi it's me robert and i have a question do you shop on amazon if so you can be a supporter of our show just go to GrizzlyKiki.com and click the amazon button in our menu Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy and it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it. And every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going.
0: And we're back and we're here to talk about tales of the city, the limited Netflix series that, uh, picks up where the, what is it? The third,
1: yeah the season this would be the this would be the fourth sequel to the original series miniseries like third sequel sure one two yeah yeah yeah,
0: so it's it's like the fourth iteration of the tv version of um tales of the city uh which is based on a series of books uh books written by armistead maupin um however this latest uh set of stories um actually doesn't exist in written form oh so yeah, right. they're not, it's not a part of it.
1: Right. Um, just again, a reminder, we are going to spoil the shit mm-hmm. out of the series. So once again, if you haven't seen it, um, we're about to spoil it. So, um, but it is a great show. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Cause yep. I feel like I have a tendency to start with the negative, but yes, no. it was a great show. Um, one of the things, and you know, we haven't, we haven't watched the original, like the the three original ones, uh, but we have heard criticism of those in that they were not intersectional there was no real representation of people mm-hmm. of color and so um one of the amazing things about this this version of the show is that i feel like they went out of their way to include pocs and and just like these these topics that i, yeah. I i've said it before on the podcast i feel like there's stuff on this show that isn't mm-hmm. being touched anymore all the quilt bangers yes
0: were since we were told people like that, you know, turning it into a noun. Yes. Um, yeah. But what I also, to add on to what you said, it was very diverse, but it was all kind of um, had this, like, 90s, high, like, almost plasticky uh, look to it that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. So, like, while I, I've probably seen, like, a snippet or two of the original ones I kind of didn't need to have seen the other ones to appreciate what was going on here. And I right. like that they kept the flavor of it <clears throat> um, faithful to the original. But like you said, you know, became, it was much more inclusive and intersectional than anything really on right. TV at the moment. Right. Um,
1: I think I, we talked about this last week. I think the the, the usage of uh, what is that called? Like um, soft soft focus, mm-hmm. right? I think the usage of soft focus is, and the vibrant colors, Mm -hmm. is a callback to The Wizard of Oz and when Dorothy steps out of the house and everything's in color.
0: Oh, yeah, because they do have to walk up that, like, all those stairs to get to to Barbary Lane. And it is. And then it's, like, there. And
1: I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, if you noticed, but the walk up the stairs, anytime it was filmed, it was sort of gray. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and then the opening yeah. of the, of the, again, like, uh, gray, uh, door mm-hmm. into this colorful very colorful and, land. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I, I really, overall, I'll just say overall, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, it was, um, satisfying. And while, while things, you know, it wasn't necessarily light, mm-hmm. there was something, um, uplifting, about it it just it felt really good to watch but also important right at the same time
1: i was very happy that the show was not afraid to go there like wherever Mm -hmm. it needed to go it went there yeah and we just um that's very san francisco
0: to want to talk about some of the issues that we mentioned that we feel like aren't often Oh, you please addressed um for me, the most meaningful one was the way that the the show explored Margot and Jake's relationship, um yeah. you know, with Jake having recently transitioned um but having been in a lesbian relationship with Margot before that, and just kind of both of them feeling out what they wanted or didn't want, and you know feeling like. At least, I'm, I'm. you know, I feel like Jake felt it, but it took him a few episodes to, to admit that he, need, you know, they needed to separate, yeah. essentially. But yeah. Margot was just, like, she lost, you know, the person that she had been in love with. You know, she, she didn't feel good about that. But the, her emotions and his emotions were dealt with in such a, um, an open and, like, honest way yeah. that I was just floored
1: i'm I'm also surprised with as many uh as many representations of quilt bang of quilt bangers in the media as there are today that this subject has never been touched because this is very common mm-hmm. this is a very very i mean it's it's common for um a lesbian couple it's common for uh you know a quote unquote straight couple mm-hmm. where it's a cis a cis man and a cis woman like this is a common thing and it's never really it's not, it's never really talked about in a respectful way, mm-hmm. the way that it was on the show. I had a teacher in high school whose husband transitioned
0: during my senior year.
1: Mm-hmm. It was, And they stayed together, right? Yeah. 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 I remember you telling me at, about
0: like that. the last thing I heard two or three years ago they were still together. Right. So, it's I mean these things do happen. I just think it's beyond the reach of some of the media that we consume
1: to to properly to handle it properly, I think. Well, right, to handle it properly. It's just like I said, I've I've only ever seen it explored in a joking way. Mhm. Um yeah. so I was really I I don't know. I I really appreciated the fact that we have this this thing, this like this piece of representation here that is very important. Mm -hmm. I also didn't know that Anna Madrigal was a trans woman and that, you know, here you have this matriarch of this family and she is a trans woman. I think that in itself is groundbreaking, you know? So, um, let's talk about, oh, and then similarly, do you want to talk about episode eight really quick?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. How... Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll bounce around. Um, well, because we're since we're talking about exactly Anna. the fact that an entire episode was devoted to her past,
1: I thought was fascinating because. Forget about her past. The well, entire episode being dedicated to being trans in the '60s. In the '60s, and yeah.
0: how she, you know, showed up, uh, arrived in in um San, I don't Francisco. Know, San Francisco. I think it was like 1960 or '66. But she was all also, you know, already I think in her 30s or so. And, you know, one of the first interactions that she has upon um, arriving in the city is with this young, much younger trans woman who I think she thinks is like stalking her or whatever. But she just wants to know how she survived because she, she tells her, what are you, like 40? I'm 26. How did you survive? And I thought that yeah. was very poignant because, you know, I mean, trans women are being killed multiple times a day and it's or or multiple trans women are being killed every day and it goes to the most part un, you know like um unreported unreported right and so to have that concern voiced you know like like way back then it's just like even then you know they were you know the 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 trans community was trying to help each other survive and figure out you know techniques on how to survive everybody else
1: I think that we f- we regularly forget that, you know, in the 60s, the spread of information was slower and there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And so that moment when Isella corners Anna in the bookstore and was like, how did you survive? It was mm-hmm. just like, oh, my God. I didn't I didn't even like that didn't even cross my mind mm-hmm. that that might be why I just assumed probably like Anna did that Isella clocked her mm-hmm. and was just like, oh, here's this woman who thinks she's living stealth. I'm going to mm-hmm. go, you know, burst her bubble. Um, but it was just I thought that was super important. And also that episode leads to the um, reenactment of the Compton's cafeteria mm-hmm. riot, which I feel like a lot of people don't even know about.
0: I mean, I am sad to say I did, I had not heard about it.
1: Until, you know, until we... tales of the city. Yeah, I just hadn't. Even though, even though we totally talked about it on the podcast. Once. Did we talk? I'm we pretty talk sure we did. It? I'm pretty we sure did we our Stonewall about... episode, like, uh, it might have been a Pride episode a while back, but oh yeah, we definitely talked about how Compton's was the first. Oh, riot. that was your topic.
0: Yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> I remember that now. Okay, so I'm my mind is very dusty.
1: Yeah. Um, But it was just, um, you know, it's, I I feel like it makes you feel less alone when you see that there are other people who are brave and willing to sacrifice some shit to, Mm -hmm. to, to live better lives. Yeah. And, you know, seeing the, because I feel like as, as quilt bangers, we're constantly brought back to Stonewall Mm -hmm. and it's like Stonewall, Stonewall, Stonewall. And we completely forget about things like Compton's cafeteria And it's important to remember that there are there are other there are other queer meccas other than New York City, Mm -hmm. you know, and many more benchmark moments. Exactly. As well. Exactly. Um, So let's talk about Michael and Ben. That was an interesting relationship
0: throughout the course of the series, I think. Yes.
1: Uh, The fact that Michael and Ben are exploring having condomless sex and Michael is having a hard time wrapping his brain around it because he is HIV positive and concerned about spreading the disease to his partner. Mm-hmm. It's some again, it's something that I feel like other other shows aren't really talking about this.
0: No, nor would they have shown like or rather explored the struggle that Michael was having with it. You know, like the moment when he went to his doctor and was like, so what do I do? And the doctor was like, "I can't like give you an answer. All I can tell you is that you are at this point undetectable, so the risk of spreading it to your partner you know by 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 not using a condom is you know like next to none, right, but it's up to your comfort level and and, and Ben was also on prep exactly so uh, they were they were doing everything that they had to do in order to you know not use a condom and still be safe mm-hmm. you know um." But I I like that they showed the struggle he he was having because I feel like, Mm -hmm. again, in a lot of other forms of media, it would either be, okay let's do this or no, not at all. You know, there wouldn't be this, um, you know, devoting air, you know, screen time to him thinking about this or, you know, showing them like, you know, uh, being like, well... I think it was the one where, where Michael was like, "Okay, let's try this," but he couldn't. And then they were like, "Well, let's move on to something else." Right? You know, and and it was very um like a like a real relationship, right? You know, it, it's not a, a this or that or black and white. You know, there there's all this stuff in between as well.
1: To me, the the other thing is that most of the time when when we're shown a relationship where one partner is HIV positive and the other one is HIV negative, there is this thing where it's like beating beating us over the head with like condom sex condom sex condom sex and yes condoms do prevent the spread of diseases and viruses like HIV but with things like PrEP and uh, and you know people taking medication so that they're undetectable Mm -hmm. um, it lessens the the transmission rates Mm -hmm. and I feel like there is no there is no real conversation about that. And so it turns HIV into this, into the stigma. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even more important today because I've seen a lot of, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook talk about, you know, that uh, so-and-so found out I was HIV positive and now they don't even like, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be anywhere near me. And it's like these, you know, the, whereas this was a disease that did not have any sort of, like there was there was no possibility for long term like treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's different today. It's a comp- it's a new yeah. it's a new day. It's a new world. It's and definitely not
0: a death sentence.
1: Exactly. Anymore. It's not a death sentence anymore. And so I feel like we're not talking about that either. And so that ne- we need to break the stigma with that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people living with HIV can have a, a flourishing sex life if they mm-hmm. want it. You know,
0: you know, at the end of the day, I think it all, you know, what this showed is just it's all about being safe, responsible and honest about your own comfort level. Absolutely. You know, and also if if you're, you know, like if you're the person who can't handle it, then you can't handle it. Right. And you keep on, you know, it's it's there is no reason to like, like you said, you know, Robert, like continue feeding into you know the stigmatization of hiv like yeah. it is it, it is what it is and that's it you know right. and like you can you can live with it and you can take care of yourself but there's no need to ostracize people
1: but what's important to me about this specific storyline is that it teaches people that there is there there is a a, a life outside of having to use condoms mm-hmm. every time when you're with so i mean i it is my personal opinion that if you're having sex at all, if you're having uh anonymous sex at all, that you should use a condom because mm-hmm. that for me personally, that is what I would do. Mm-hmm. But I think showing that someone who is taking their meds and is undetectable, that the... That it lessens, I think. Like the the fact that they're showing it on this show, mm-hmm. the the spread of information needs to continue like this. Yeah, absolutely. because I, I feel like it's not it's not really out there. No, not not in in mass. You know, like we 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 need more of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's come back to Jake for a quick a quick yeah. second because I really found the relationship he has with his family, specifically with his mom, really interesting. And we touched upon the idea of. Uh, the 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 concept that if you transition from male from female to male, it's like you've upgraded, mm-hmm. and you totally see that with with Jacob's fam with Jake's family. Oh my god! In this show, that moment when his mother looked
0: at him and Margot and was like, "Well, so what about babies? You know, blah blah blah." And she's like, "Oh, now you know you can be like a normal family." I I just cringed. Yeah, like I yeah. I just wanted to curl into a ball because it was just like so. Your your son has just, you know, tran- fully transitioned or, you know, whatever. And but so now in her mind, it's funny because you could see that the way she was wrapping her head around her son being a, a, a man. Her yeah. son being a man was, OK, this is good because, well, he's dating a woman and they can have kids and then it'll just be like, you know, normal. Right. Like it fit within her um kind of concept of the binary you know it's just like okay and i get like i can deal with this yeah
1: but it's still hurtful it's a lot like um at the very the very beginning of the first episode we see margo uh margo is made uncomfortable by this exchange at a bakery mm-hmm. where they're where her and jake are perceived perceived to be a a, a cis straight couple mm-hmm. and you know it's just like I I like that that's being explored because I feel like that's another thing that people Mm -hmm. don't really talk about is, you know, um, when we see when Jake finally moves back in with his family and he's trying to be in the kitchen, his mom is like, no, 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 this isn't your place anymore. Go go hang out with the guys in the living room. Oh, that was so uh,
0: like I would never even think about
1: that. It's just it's the it's the continued. Uh, fostering of removing all tend- tenderness from mm-hmm. men. Men are not allowed yeah. to be tender at all.
0: Also, I love that they... Um, mm-hmm. That Jake was Latinx, just for my own purposes, I guess, because I understood, like, and I'm, as, as I'm sure you did too, just yeah. especially that scene where mm-hmm. it's like, mm, the kitchen, that's where the women go after dinner's over, whatever, you know, and the men are, like, watching sports. It's just so... Um, Relatable for like, both of us. Like so relatable. I was like, oh my god, yeah. like mm-hmm. that. After every holiday, it's like all the women and me would be in the kitchen, and everybody else would be in the living room, you know. And and I saw, oh my god, and now he he's not allowed to like just be wherever he wants. He's like being, you know, like uh, 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 assigned a very gendered space. Yeah, and you know, without any say in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Um, the uh, another thing that was interesting about this series is that they had actual cult bangers as the actors mm-hmm. in the show um, so we have Ellen Page who is gay? yeah, yeah. Okay um, and then Garcia who plays Jake and they are uh, trans non-binary yes. actor. Uh, then you have Jen Richards who
0: plays uh, a young Anna and she's trans um, yes. and she was, I think we first saw her or for any length of time in that the the i am kate on like, the bus on the bus she mm-hmm. was on the bus yeah um she was great absolutely amazing to oh. watch oh yeah yeah um then dickie hartz who plays mateo who's the guy that um jake is kind of going back and forth with and like no
1: wrong person
0: that wasn't him
1: no who was he dickie Hart's was uh the um oh what is her name marianne's friend the, the woman with the big house. Oh, Dee Dee's, Dee Dee's, Dee Dee's like, butler? Dee Dee's housekeeper. Oh, yeah. that was, oh, I thought that was the other house. Really? Too. I did. I really did. Like, really? Well. Great. Um, but it's, but th- my inclusion of Dickie Hearts is not about him being gay. It's about him actually being deaf exactly. and playing a deaf character on the show. Yeah. So. He was amazing, too. Thanks for reading my notes. Just saying. Um yes and then uh representation for me specifically well not completely but yes part partially um (laughs) we have Daniela Vega who plays Isela and she is a trans woman from Chile which warms my heart like I love it I love and I also love that uh that Hollywood is, like, falling all over themselves for her because mm-hmm. she she was not... I think she was in a movie that was nominated for an Oscar. And, I mean, she is killing it in this show. The acting, like, I mean, that's probably where we're going next. Mm-hmm. Most of the people we've just mentioned, like, they're, they're acting because, like, not all the acting was great on the show. <laughs> but, but... But she was a force. Yes.
0: Like, and it's funny because... You know, when you had, when, um, <clears throat> cause she was one of the few, um, one of the few people who, when they would do flashbacks, like, she was playing herself young and then herself older. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, and those prosthetics were not sinful. Sinful. They should not have done that to her, but. Rude. Um, just seeing the progression, how she was like, just very, um, um, I guess like in, in, impetuous or like, um, uh, impulsive when she was younger and then turned into this kind of quiet force to you know when she was older and kind of doing you know do it during her activism and engaging with the community it was a, a just you could feel that evolution mm-hmm. um and she is just amazing to watch because she embodied both i think completely mm-hmm. as well
1: yeah it's also it's amazing to to know that there is you know, that there that there are open minds in Chile, mm-hmm. especially uh, when she was, you know, because she started transitioning as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the I I loved one of my favorite things about this show was finding out about her. Yes. And I hope that we see plenty more of Daniela mm-hmm. Vega. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to say how it broke my heart that Shauna would watch old episodes of Marianne's talk show as her way of connecting with her mother. Like, I, I, like, uh It was really sad. Yeah.
0: But do you realize how they, how they kind of, um, I guess not pitted, but um, compared the viewing experience that Shauna would have to watching those episodes to the experience that Marianne would have when she would see her own infomercials or, like, clips from her talk show at certain points on the TV when she was in the hotel? I didn't. Whereas Shauna was, like, You know, using this as kind of the only way she had to connect to her mom. Yeah, yeah. Marianne would watch similar clips and just be embarrassed and cringing at herself.
1: I guess I didn't pick up on it because Shauna is watching it on purpose, whereas Marianne is catching it when it's on TV. Exactly. Yeah, like by accident almost. So, uh, but that's that was the thing is that she had a a a drawer full of old VHS Mm -hmm. tapes where she had recorded. I mean, they, they were they were cringy episodes of her talk show, but mm-hmm. it was like, this is my way of connecting with my mother. Yeah, it's all she had. Yeah. Um, so that was incredibly heartbreaking. Let's talk about the performances on the show. All right. We already talked about Garcia mm-hmm. and how amazing they were. Daniela Vega, just, amazing. Yes. Can't wait for more. Bob, uh, the motherfucking drag queen, <laughs> like acting his ass off. He was great. Yes. It was so, um, I just... Just natural, like, just fucking natural. Because that's Bob. That's um, Bob. Like, it
0: was Bob, and just his little still. his little quips. I think one of my favorites is when he tells he tells the bartender, you know, something like,
1: <laughs> "We've been getting complaints it's about hair in, in people's the, drinks.
0: hair in the drinks." And it's this bartender who's just like wearing <laughs> suspenders and just very, um, you super know, like, hairy. Like yeah, super hairy. And <laughs> it, Bob was just like mother hen, you know, like clucking around. You know, it was it was great
1: to see. I. I think that line was uh was uh what's it called uh improv improvised i hope so because it was great i believe it was it was great i think because that's bob Mm-hmm. you know um and we we also we already talked about dicky and i'm glad that you now know who dicky is too i know i um so yes. raking <laughs> me over the coil over the coils over the coals listen Anyway. When we were putting together this episode, I wrote down all the information I could. I did all of this research. Granted, I didn't write down, uh, I didn't write down uh, the reason that I'd put Dickie's name there because I figured I'll talk about it. Because typically, when we do these episodes, if it's something that Daniel's not familiar with, he's just like, mm-hmm. "You go ahead. You wrote mm-hmm. this down for a reason." And then for you to just, I just hopped right. Wrong in. one. Well. Anyway, let's talk about what we disliked. Uh, so we're, since we're already talking about Bob, see, this is yours because
0: I didn't have a problem with that one.
1: It's not that I have a problem with it. I have a problem with it from a from the perspective of of like a, a cis straight person who is watching this show, showing that showing Bob in drag every time we see him is confusing. It's confusing.
0: I guess. I mean.
1: Because there's know. no am... reason there's no reason for a drag queen to be in full drag when the bar is closed, before the bar is open you know, basically every every opportunity in the dressing room, in the dressing room like, that's just not mm-hmm. realistic Do
0: we ever see Lady Bunny out of drag?
1: Okay, but Lady Bunny's uh, doing that on purpose. Okay, but maybe maybe Bob, I don't remember her character's name because it was just Bob uh, It was not just Bob Um, No, I'm saying to me it's Bob. Every time we we're like Bob, it's Bob. We're like Bob. No, it's
0: I mean it's Bob, but it's somebody else. Um, you know, maybe that's his character's thing.
1: Okay. Maybe maybe she's inspired by Lady Bunny. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. What else um, she
0: got? So
1: <laughs> why
0: are Olympia Dukakis and Laura Linney always screaming? Yeah, I don't I don't understand.
1: And I and I refuse to believe that either of these women. We're just. This is just how they act because we've seen we've seen what they can do. No, I I think this
0: is probably a character thing. Um, I I think it's it's two very different types of screaming because Olympia Dukakis is never actually screaming. It's just her. It's like it's coming from down and it's this very like gravelly, um, like tone. She's
1: she's at the beginning of a cold.
0: Yeah, that's and always then what she sounds. Laura Linney is like. Ah, ah, mm-hmm. ah. Mm-hmm. all the time yeah all the time any everything
1: mm-hmm. like she just she just sat on a hot coal yeah every time she was having a hard week mm-hmm. apparently yeah um bob's character's name is ida best by the Thank way you. it just came oh, to me yes, ida um best. yeah the other thing about laura linney is that whenever she had to deliver bad news or she was upset she always smiled like this full grin and it's like why do you look like you're enjoying this that's creepy
0: see i always She's just so (laughs) terribly like that character is awkward to the point of of her being unwatchable. Like, absolutely. Laura Laura Linney's a great actress, and I think she was doing great acting. But that character is (sighs) grating, like exhausting. And I'm like, ruined episode nine. She wasn't the only one. Like that was a joint effort
1: well um well but okay the other actors were looking at each other like we're in on the joke Tee-hee. well this is clearly the scooby-doo episode
0: yeah <laughs> um well so going straight into into episode nine which was like this is the acting fell apart it was it might as well have been you know like a scooby-doo adventure all they needed was the mystery machine
1: and i would have gotten away with it if it wasn't right? for right like kids. them trying to
0: find yeah. out how and why anna is being blackmailed and just like when when uh when michael throws me as a scarf but it looked like a like um, a tablecloth over his shoulders like a wrap mm-hmm. and was like Speaking, you know, like, like, uh, jumbled Italian, I was like, no, like,
1: not jumbled Italian, he was speaking like he had learned how to oh communicate Ex- for sex yeah, in exactly, Italian. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but other things, he was like Parmigiano Reggiano, you know, it was just like anything he could think <laughs> of, yeah. And then Molly Ringwald, Stupid. who I didn't even recognize her, mm-hmm. was just like, oh, okay, like, let's grab just that. That was a very strange episode, I did not, um, I. Like, it was it was so bad that th- that had to have been on purpose, it but... It felt like
1: we were watching a Hallmark movie.
0: Yeah. Like, oh my god! Like, ding! You know, we all have this, like, idea at the same time, and like, let's run off and like, go
1: catch the, the blackmailer. It was... Right. It was very, um, Soleil Moonfry in <laughs> The Valentine Mystery, Tonight on Hallmark. Like, no. Just no. very strange. No. Very, very strange. Um... Let's see. Oh, that fucking dinner party. Can we talk about the dinner party? Oh my! That God. That made me so
0: angry. But I understood why it was useful.
1: Okay. Can you?
0: Yes. Um. So just at the at the dinner party where you know they're like it, it's basically all these older gays. Uh, I think mainly white,
1: if not all white, all white. Yes.
0: Um. Except for Ben, who's the you know the one person of color who's also happens to be 28 so he's well he's at a table
1: with a bunch of older white gays and he is this millennial who is black yeah and who's very
0: conscious of you know you you call people what they want to be called and nothing else and so the guys are just going on about you know t-word this and t-word that and and using it in 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 a very casual way that bothers him and he calls them out and says Mm -hmm. you know i i don't think we're allowed to you know, like we're not allowed to, to say that word anymore. And they just like it, it all just kind of escalates till he's like torn apart by one of the older gays just because, you know, he wasn't he wasn't there when everybody was struggling and and, you know, like fighting for equality. But it's like I, I hated it because they made it sound like the fights that are going on now are not Like, the fights that are going on now that result in things like, you know, modifying how you refer to people and being more respectful of people's uh, uh, gender identity. identity, And also, you know, don't call a trans person the T-word. Like, they don't like being called that. Like, you being exempt from having to follow those rules as well, it just, it really um, bothered me. But I saw that they were, you know, using it to basically illustrate how, like, no, like, you're not exempt. Like, this is for everybody to follow
1: i don't i feel like that wasn't the message sent because you know this guy goes on this whole uh he gives this whole soliloquy not just about fighting for rights but also about uh experiencing all of his friends and loved ones dying of hiv Mm -hmm. and and then it uses all of that Almost as if it's like social currency Mm -hmm. so that he can be a racist and uh, and super transphobic in private if he wants to be. Mm -hmm. You know, like to me, that's the wrong message, because then what what ends up happening is that Ben leaves the dinner and Michael never sticks up for him, which I know Michael knows better. He yeah. lives in an apartment building where his landlord is a trans woman. Mm-hmm. He definitely knows that. And I bet better. you he doesn't use the language around her. Exactly. I don't I don't think he would use that language around anyone. I don't no, think it's... Because in- he looked just as uncomfortable. Exactly. But he didn't say anything. No. And that's what I didn't appreciate. And we never go back to it. We never go back to it. It's because like they have this huge argument about it. And it's like, it never happened. Michael's
0: like too wrapped up in you know like oh my ex is back in town and now he accepts me even though you know because he has HIV now too even though you know he like broke up with me all those years ago because he couldn't deal with me being HIV positive and like I, I, I feel like Michael was also dealing with some issues there too, because while the prospect of, of his ex coming back into town, you know, for many, I think would kind of be a, uh, you know, a second chance. Mm. He, he knew he didn't want that second chance, but mm-hmm. the prospect of it was still there. So I feel like he was, I mean, it was just a bad idea to go to this dinner mm-hmm. overall. Yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> it exposed some ugliness that I think was useful in seeing, you know, um, but definitely, you know, for the characters anyway, it was it might have been better that they that they didn't go, especially since it didn't result in any type of um,
1: conversation
0: between Ben and Michael. Right. That's my you whole know, point. It was just like the next day they're like, mm, OK, mm, moving know. on. Yeah. Also, like, usual. I'm
1: going to move in with this guy. Like, what? No, you're like, you're you wrote, like, ugh, next. Um, <laughs> finally, why didn't Anna Invite Isella to live at Barbary Lane. Why? Because Isella couldn't pass. I'm convinced. But who cares? If, but if, if but... Barbary Lane was to become this sanctuary that she makes it seem like it was, why not invite your friend who you seem to care about to come and live there? There was more than enough space. Well, and
0: see, here's here's what I think is like the biggest character flaw in terms of you know like Anna is that she created this bubble wherein she was this like, you know, like haven for all of these, you know, marginalized kids. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, when, um, I forget, I forget her boyfriend's name, but, um, you know, he was like, take this money, you know, be safe and, you know, like protect yourself. Like she knew she didn't want to take it at first because she knew that he'd stolen it from her friends. Right. But, you're right. It was it was weird that, you know, Isela confronted her, you know, in in the flashback and there was kind of an emotion there and I think it was because Anna or young Anna anyway had found her haven for herself. Mm. And I bet you it wasn't until many years later that she started, you know, kind of like renting out and y- y- you know, like like um uh, becoming like this mother figure for all of these, you know, queer kids, because I feel like her doing that was her way of atoning for what she did. But I, she didn't. But yeah, yes, like she, she. I think when she bought the house, was thinking more
1: of protecting herself. Mm. I think that. I mean, it does make sense for the time. I just, I still think, considering how close her and Isella became, I, I would have hoped that she would have at least offered her. a a spare bedroom in her apartment or Mm -hmm. something like I think this is the problem with uh, TV writers writing things backwards because I don't think that Barbary Lane was ever meant to be a haven for queer people. I think it was just a coincidence that Anna is the, um, that Anna was the landlord of this building and that there was like one gay guy who lived there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think it was like the main, I don't think it was necessarily the main focus of the original again i didn't i haven't seen them but i'm just i'm go. i'm going to go ahead and guess because every single tenant she has in this version is some form like some letter from like the quilt bang community mm-hmm. so i i don't know it's just just that's just a feeling i get from it yeah do we want to uh talk about this question we have yeah um, so our listener, Lynn Rodin,
0: with the following question, uh, was wondering if, any, if either of you had watched Tales of the City. What do you think? I love Miss Tukakis, but I didn't feel okay watching her play a woman who had transitioned, and I wrongly kept comparing it to pose and how uplifting, devastating, and just damn entertaining poses would really be interested
1: <clears throat> in hearing your thoughts. Lynn. Well, Lynn, thanks for writing in. Um, you definitely read our minds. We uh, we haven't really talked about Olympia Dukakis playing a trans woman. No. I think. Well, and I think for me, I, I actually
0: thought about this question long and hard, and I think um, that Lynn is right when she says, like, you know, that she wrongly kept comparing the two because you can't compare them. It, it really is apples and oranges. One is a completely original show that is focusing on a very specific moment in time and community, which is pose, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is, it, it, you know, it's, it's basically being seen through fresh eyes in a matter of speaking. Whereas Tales of the City and Olympia Dukakis' character, you know, have been a part of, uh, our consciousness, or at least, you know, collective consciousness in terms of queer culture for a very long time now. Right. And so it was continuing a role that she had originated and also, you know, continuing a story that had already been in motion. So it, there are reasons why I think her playing a, a trans woman and it, you know, not not basically showing the struggles and, and things like that that they show on Pose. Um, just doesn't, it, it doesn't gel, but it's not supposed to. You know, she, Mm. while she is a trans woman, she's also a white trans woman. So there is some privilege built into that. And, you know, she sheltered herself for all these years at the top of like this mountain. And it's, uh, it, it's two very different, um, uh, points of view. And I think whereas Pose is existing very much in a real time and space, I think Barbary Lane is a much more, um, idealized and, and kind of, uh, fake space. Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm not going to defend Olympia Dukakis playing this character. Mm. I think it says something that they, they asked a trans woman to play her as a, uh, like when she was young and they kept the same actress who played her in the, la- in the th- previous three versions of it. Because um, a lot of people didn't come back. A yep. lot of people were replaced by new people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, the guy who plays Shauna's dad was played by two different actors over the, the history. Like it was originally the guy who's in this version. Then he was mm-hmm. replaced by someone else. And then they asked him to come back for this third one or this fourth one. Um, so that part is a little iffy. Um, so I don't know. I would have. I I would have loved to have seen a trans woman play Anna Madrigal. Yeah, absolutely. In this version. Yeah. Um. I mean, we did get that in in Young Anna, but I I think that you know I think that feeling uncomfortable watching her do this makes sense. I think it totally makes sense. Um. Totally valid, and I think that. Um. I honestly think the only reason they did it is because they were able to get her to come back and reprise her role. I think it was, that was pretty much it. Um, otherwise I, I feel like left in the hands of these creators, we would have been seeing a trans woman or someone Mm non-binary playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then to get to the point about pose, I think what Lynn is getting at is less about com- actually comparing the two shows to one another. Cause it's not about that. I think because I, I, I see what you're talking about, Lynn, cause I'm doing it too. I'm totally right here comparing pose and tales, tales of the city. I think from a nutritional facts standpoint, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so I, I see, I see why you compare the two. I kn- and I think we both, you and I, Lynn, I think we know that we shouldn't be comparing these shows, right? Like, they, they're not similar. The only way they're similar is that they're representations of the quilt bang community. But other than that, they're not similar. Um, but I do uh, i do constantly think about how much better Pose is than this show. And I hate saying that because I don't want to, com- again, I don't want to compare the two. They're two very different shows. But I do it. I'm doing it, like, without thinking so i'm I'm right there with you, Lynn. Um, but they can they can exist together at the same time oh. and serve different purposes and be great separately and mm-hmm. yeah, because we need all kinds of different representations of our community, and so i'm I mean, I talked about this last week, but I'm so happy that there are so many different representations of the Quilt Bank community mm-hmm. on television right now, and some like really hidden ones too sometimes
0: which. Why, like him? like what like claws okay we've we've talked about it but um if any of our listeners watch claws please, please let us know if you think that clause is very queer because i think well we both think that it's extremely queer and i don't i don't ever see the show being discussed in that perspective
1: i've 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 heard it Oh, really? I've heard it talked about a couple of times, you know, with you have uh, Quiet Anne, who is a lesbian, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, Uncle Daddy, who's bisexual. Mm-hmm. So um, I've I've heard it discussed on other podcasts before. Uh, I just think we've never really talked about it because I feel like, OK, follow me on this one. I feel like we treat po- not pose. Wow. I just want to talk about pose. Look at me. I feel like we talk about or we treat Claus like she is the side chick. Does that make sense? You do. I'm down to watch it anytime because I love it. For some reason, we will sit down to watch Claws, and I'm just like, not today. And the show is so entertaining, and the performances are amazing, and there are so many nuances. It is the Flaming Hot Cheetos of our TV diet. I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, I love Flaming Hot Cheetos, but I know that it's not always the best for me. So, just, like, just as an example, and I'm convinced at this point of this, I feel like there are little tiny details of like imperfections in the show that are there on purpose such as Nisi nash's wig line you can always see the lace on her wigs and i i keep i i notice it and then i'm like that has to be on purpose right and it makes me like the show more because i feel like in real life you this, would see it happens you yeah you would yeah. see a hairline i mean on so. on
0: episode two it, it looked like she was wearing a a like a really forward headband because yeah. you know they were trying they were really yeah. trying to hide the, the the lace with baby hairs but they had a straight
1: but I think that person that person under that much stress just doesn't have time to be laying down no. to be gluing down a, a a lace front and laying down her baby hairs like that she's yeah. gonna do it once and then hope that you're fooled every time I'm
0: surprised that Desmond so. is as fierce as she is on a daily basis on that show because that couldn't be me right. with
1: all those worries right. I would yeah yeah and fall apart but anyway we didn't come here to talk about claws sorry
0: but maybe we will
1: but maybe we will let us know Mm -hmm. um well that brings us to the end of our review of tales of the city let us know what you thought and thank you lynn for writing in that was fun um we're gonna take a break and when we come back we've got some keto corner stuff for you and um we got some stuff we're excited about so stick around we'll be right back
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free, and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip, and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle.
1: We're back. And first up is Keto Corner. Do you want to tell us what's in our Keto Corner? I do again?
0: so this week in our Keto Corner, um, we have the Keto egg Loaf recipe from High Fat High Fun on YouTube. Um, High Fat High Fun is this great uh, YouTube channel where the host Aaron, Aaron, thank you. I don't. He tries out a lot of different recipes. Uh, shows you. Um, how he you know how he makes them obviously, but also like alternatives and kind of um, uh, quicker ways
1: of doing some of these recipes. No, that's not a thing he does. Well, like um, with this one, he did. Well, he did. Yeah. No, he didn't. This is that's just the recipe. The recipe is that oh, easy. And I simple. thought
0: I thought he changed
1: it. The thing that I like that he does is so he'll pick. He does a thing called Keto Critique where he makes a recipe and he, he and his wife are doing keto together. So he'll make a recipe and then get her take on like how it came out and he lets you vote on what the recipe is going to be. So he'll pick three recipes from usually from like a particular group. Like he'll pick a, like a Mexican inspired recipe, for example, and then you get to you actually get to vote on his YouTube channel mm-hmm. as to what recipe he's going to do. Um, Which I think is really interesting because there are a lot of recipes that we come across and we wonder like, oh, is this going to be any good? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. we've tried to do, you know, we've never tried to do keto enchiladas, but that's the example I'm going to give you. You know, we've tried to do keto enchiladas and they always come out tasting like eggs or whatever, you know. yeah. Um, So I just I think it's interesting that he is actually making these and then telling you if it's good or bad um, in a quick way. Because there's another YouTube channel where the videos are kind of long and, you know. They're also testing out some stuff, you know you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, um but um, come back an hour later, and they haven't gotten to the point yet exactly were, the food's not even done cooking yet anyway. And it's a five minute <laughs> recipe so Aaron has an amazing yes. recipe for uh something called a keto egg loaf, which, which is tastes delicious exactly like French toast
0: mm-hmm. and it is literally just eggs, cream cheese, and um.
1: Well, we're going to put the recipe. Yeah, it's it's literally like three or four ingredients, but the great part about it is that you throw it all in the blender and you're and mm-hmm. then you bake it and you're yeah. basically done. And it comes out looking gorgeous.
0: Like it looks like you baked french toast, but like everything's right. already in it. Like that's that's the cool thing is that you know, french toast like you need bread and then you need to like cook it in the egg and add cinnamon, but this has that eggy, bready, soft, and and like hot
1: specifically, it, it tastes Hala very French much toast. like holla, yeah. yeah, like mm-hmm. French toast. And mm-hmm. You just put
0: some toppings on it, and you're good to go. And it is delicious and very filling. Yes, um, and you can make it and reheat it like thirty seconds in the microwave, and. It tastes, you know, like when you first made it. So it's good for meal prep and yep. for, like, a sweet snack. Like, we, we've been making things like pancakes lately. the Like, the almond flour pancake recipe we shared a few weeks ago. Um, that's, like, become our, like, our sweet snack. Um, which I love because
1: you just make some more when you're making your breakfast. It's so. mostly because our um, the, we had these little mason jars that we would make keto ice cream in, and the last one broke. So now we... <gasps> can't make that's where it went i forgot about that yeah it broke so we should buy more mason jars Uh, we should make keto
0: ice cream and keto pancakes
1: and fuck a pancake let's make waffles we don't have a waffle iron let's buy a waffle iron can we is that a thing that you can buy for like the stovetop i don't know we're gonna we're gonna look it up i've never had one. we're we're doing it we're fucking doing if we
0: get one can it be a little mini waffle iron sure
1: to make mini waffles it can be whatever waffle i want to fill
0: i want to fill the crannies
1: the, the little the um, nooks and crannies. The nooks and crannies with syrup, yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Mm. Well, now it's time for I'm So Excited.
2: I'm so excited! I'm so excited! Me siento muy excited!
1: <laughs> so, I'm So Excited is pretty jam-packed this week because we were excited about a lot of things. First on our list is the episode of Queer Walk called Courage is Contagious with an interview with Dr. Sammy Shock. Um, And we also get a shout out on that episode. So thanks to the hosts of Queer Walk, Money and Nikita for your shout out. It meant a lot to us. Um, but also thank you for the work you do because this interview that you did with Dr. Sammy Shock was, it was what we needed to hear. And uh, she talks about, um, she talks about, Learning in public, which I think is a thing that we have both struggled with, especially through the podcast mm-hmm. and how it's important to not only show that you've learned something from like a particular mistake you've made, but also to let the lesson live on f- so that other people can find it and learn from it as yep. well. So, um, but there, there's a lot of talk of that. And I mean, the, the, the interview with, with, uh, Dr. Shock is just very insightful and um and i recommend that everybody go listen to it again it is the queer walk episode uh entitled courage is contagious super inspiring and informative and insightful like all of the i words go listen to it please Mm -hmm. and make sure you subscribe to queer walk because that's important too yep
0: um so pose is next on our list we're still excited this i Um, mean this uh, season is amazing it is just it's such amazing. a um um just such a a beautiful present every Tuesday at ten um I literally wait all day for it and I don't like i I get just bored waiting to watch it because i'm like i can't do anything because pose pose may be on in three hours but like
1: i can't like i can't do anything until pose i get mad on. i yeah. get mad at nine o'clock that i'm like why can't i just pay why can't i get pay it extra early to get it early i want right? to watch it now
0: yeah um yeah it's just every episode is just covering like so much ground in in yeah. in really a short amount of time yes i mean i mean for me the highlight of this last episode was when it was just, like, I cried. We need to
1: talk about spoilers, you and I. Oh, I'm so sorry. The podcast. Ah, well. Because anyway. I'm mad at you right now, because now I have to do some editing. Damn it. Sorry. But we need to talk. We, You and I need to talk about spoilers, because you're so bad at it. You are so bad at giving spoilers. I am. Like, or at avoiding spoilers. I should have said spoilers ahead. We... So when Daniel and I went to see The Dark Knight Rises, we're leaving the movie theater, (laughs) and he is literally just recounting the entire movie. And mind you, we went to see it on the Friday that it came out, recounting literally the entire movie. And I looked at him, and I was like, you don't know who the fuck is standing around us right now this is the like the top movie in this country right now and everyone around us is probably like either making plans to go see it or avoiding it the first weekend so they don't have to deal with crowds or whatever the fuck it is and you are spoiling it for every single person around us why are you doing that this is the conversation we're having it right now <laughs> we need to talk about spoilers it would have
0: been a week and a half since like they would have already seen the episode that aired yesterday give me
1: this pen Give me this fucking pen. So You're there. assuming that everyone, not everyone watches Pose when it airs. They're not as excited about it as we are. You have to let everyone come to Pose as they do. Mm. We have two friends who are catching up on season one right now. Yeah. So we do. think about that. Yeah. Oh, we're not we going to talk do. about that on the podcast. But oh, yes. yeah. Um, everyone yeah. comes to the show in their time, and they're all enjoying it. So that's mm. what matters. Um, talk about the next thing so I can write this down, please. The next thing the next oh the thing. next thing sorry yes. that wasn't
0: my my assignment um so the next thing we're talking about is happy birthday Marsha, which is a short film on amazon prime um and i figured
1: we we got a chance to watch it this weekend i figured we should shout it out uh, real quick because i don't know if they're going to take it down mm-hmm. but it seems at least from the the when it was announced that it was on amazon prime it seemed like there might it might be taken down at a certain point i don't know um, but it is an amazing short film. It is 14 minutes long, so everyone has time to watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, I suggest you watch it. And, um, I mean, aside from it being a really, really amazing short film um, and it being about this, you know, about Marsha P. Johnson and this mm-hmm. amazing, uh, like, queer elder, um, the it's like, I think it's important that the movie get its numbers. Yeah. Because we, I don't think we ever really talked about this, but, um, the rumor is that the so there's a documentary about Marsha P. Johnson on Netflix. I don't recall the name because we chose because of the controversy surrounding mm-hmm. it. We chose not to watch it. Um, the rumor is that Raina Gossett, the woman who is a producer on uh, Happy Birthday, Marsha, did all of the research for the documentary on Netflix and then didn't get any credit. Yeah. So this is her baby. Go support her. It's important to support her. It's important to pay attention to the stories of our queer elders, mm-hmm. and I think that you know this is a great, uh, great piece of representation again in the media and um, and give it give it the numbers, give it the yeah. fucking numbers. So, what's the last thing on our list? Uh,
0: the last thing that we're excited about is the Reclaiming Pride rally, uh, which is taking place at the same time as the before. Is it before? It's oh, it is before. before. Like, yeah. yeah, before the, before. sorry, the same day, but before the uh, New York Pride Parade, Pride, Mar- I forget what. Heritage the- of Pride. Heritage of Pride. Yeah. Um, and it is, um, <clears throat> it is being uh, held by the Reclaimed Pride Coalition, which is aiming to kind of take, take back pride and strip it of corporate sponsors and police presence and essentially this kind of like touristy thing that it's become. Yeah. Um, and so what they're doing is that starting at 9 30 AM on Sunday, June 30th at the, um, at, at seventh <clears throat> Avenue and Christopher street, mm-hmm. they will be following the original, uh path of the 19th the very first pride march from 1970 yeah um which will end with a rally on the great lawn in central park at 1 p.m
1: yes so it does start at 9:30 a.m but you can join the you can join the march anywhere along its route mm-hmm. um basically the, what they're saying is anywhere past 23rd street um, I believe it goes up Sixth Avenue, correct? Yeah, it's going, um, yeah,
0: up Sixth Avenue, all like straight through the center of Central Park. Yeah, um, what they suggest is that you join the march um, as it passes Bryant Park, just around eleven a.m. Because that's just easier to access by a lot of people.
1: Well, they yeah, they have a couple of like uh, a couple of meeting points, so mm-hmm. they're they're planning to be crossing Forty Second Street. Uh, near Bryant Park around eleven a.m. Yeah, so if you want to sleep in a little bit and come a little later, mm-hmm. that's fine, um, and that's a great meeting point. But uh, like I said, it does also say you can meet up with uh, with it anywhere past Twenty Third Street because there's going to be a lot of street closure uh, for the other yeah parade. for Heritage of Pride exactly yeah um, below Twenty Third Street. Yeah. So if you don't start out uh, on, uh, Christopher, on Christopher, street, Christopher
0: Street, you really can't. You can't join get it there. until past right. 23rd Street. Right. Um, this is really important, mainly because it is actually calling itself a march and not a parade right um because that is that is what pride is about pride is about fighting back for rights and for representation and visibility and at, we've talked about it several times how we feel that the heritage of pride parade and you know kind of like what i like to call like mainstream pride in new york it it, it doesn't it doesn't carry that sense of community or um you know kind of activism and we're both really excited that this um that this is happening the 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 reclaim pride march um
1: so we'll be there yeah we will so i hope we hope you'll be there yeah
0: (laughs) um and if you want information on that uh you can just head over to reclaim pride org, and we will be also we will also be um uh Posting a link yeah. in the in the show notes. It's it's amazing. Uh, you can donate to it. Um, please do. Uh, there are also t shirts that proceeds go to to various uh, nonprofit nonprofit groups. Um, and there's just a lot of important material on there that you can read through so that you understand why this is so important and why you should be
1: joining in. Yeah. So, yeah, if you can't make it, make sure that you donate mm-hmm. um, and you can also volunteer. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. They they want volunteers to help hand out water, to help organize, clean up. Um, and also, uh, you know, when the rally starts at 1 p.m., there's going to be countless performances and speakers and you know, all sorts of stuff to engage in. Um, they encourage making, you know, your own signage. Um, bring a blanket. And if you don't want that blanket, you can actually leave it in certain drop boxes they're going to have on the Great Lawn and they're going to donate them to um, various uh, uh, quilt bang uh, nonprofits to, to give out to homeless queer people.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how they're thinking of, everything yeah oh there's, yeah everything there's a there's a huge section on um on uh you know people with disabilities joining the march and uh and there's even there are vans they're going to be vans to help uh transport or, i'm sorry not vans there's going to be a bus yeah. that follows the route mm-hmm. for uh for for people with disabilities who mm-hmm. who need to sit and yeah. and so that everyone literally everyone yeah. can and, be represented and the elderly in so you can yeah.
0: join in yeah regardless of your age yeah exactly. so they are making it almost completely accessible for everybody
1: right to join in it, right. yeah i'm really excited about that yeah i can't wait <laughs> me too um so <laughs> that brings us to the end of another episode yes we are grizzly kiki on everything that means facebook twitter instagram be sure to follow us there
0: <laughs> uh be sure to email us at 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 gmail.com and maybe we'll answer your question on the air and don't forget to subscribe
1: <gasps> on itunes and spotify so until next time Bye.